Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Pinch Point, where we funnel in all of the information in the bow hunting, deer hunting, and archery communities for you guys. So we got a lot of ground to cover this week. Uh, you know, it's it's March now, and I thought that maybe like news would slow down. It would be a, a slow time of the year for us, and I'd be struggling to find things to talk about. But I have to admit, that is absolutely not the case. In fact, I have so many things to talk about. We're not even going to be able to get to all of them on this episode. So I know last week we talked about Todd and I getting together to do a recap of the NDA deer report, which we are going to do. However, we decided that we're going to do it in the studio here uh, and we wanted it to be good. So we actually are waiting on some more microphone equipment to show up before Todd and I get together to do that. Also, uh, and now I'm going to put some pressure on Todd because Todd has got what I think is a very good idea for a podcast. I'm not going to spoil it, but it, this is a good idea. If Todd can pull off the execution of this one well, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I think Todd was feeling left out that that I'm over here doing this weekly pinch point uh, podcast. But, you know, unfortunately, Todd's a busy dude. He's just not around a lot. He's out at his farm a lot. He's always doing habitat work or going somewhere and doing something. So, you know, if you're not here in the studio and in the office to record a podcast, it's kind of hard to be part of it. But he does have a really cool idea. So stay tuned. I would imagine the next maybe 30 days or hopefully less, we have kind of an announcement uh, on that. So let's just jump into our first story, shall we? Another week, another poaching case. It seems like that's one of the most popular things that we talk about uh, on this podcast so far. So this one I actually came across. Uh, I saw the article hit my news feed on Field and Stream. Uh, Field and Stream credits GearJunkie.com with kind of breaking this story. Um, so I'll read you the headline from Gear Junkie. Uh, Muley Freaks Eric Von Workum, if I'm saying that right, has been charged with felony possession of a trophy mule deer. So uh, let's start at the top. Muley Freak, to be honest with you guys, I was not super, super familiar uh, with Muley Freak. I've seen it around on social media. Uh, to be completely frank, I thought it was just some social media accounts that showed uh, big pictures of mule deer and other Western animals. Uh, turns out it's actually a little bit more than that. I checked out their website, I watched some of the videos and whatnot. So um, turns out that one of the, it looks like there's three guys. And again, forgive me, I'm not super familiar with these people or with their business or anything like that. But it looks like there's three guys that are kind of like the main dudes. I don't know if they're all founders or what. So you got this guy, Eric, uh, out in Idaho. So back in, it looks like October, based on uh, the information that I'm seeing, he got some citations from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game uh, for allegedly um, trespassing on a private property and then shooting a mule deer, right? So both of those were misdemeanor citations at the time. So the Gear Junkie article shows the actual citations themselves as they were written up. Um, again, I think it was, yeah, October 11th and 12th is when those citations were issued. Possession of an unlawfully taken mule deer buck, um, trespass to hunt. Now, I looked around on the Muley Freak website and through some of their social accounts, and I was unable to find any sort of response 
uh, any sort of, you know, acknowledgement of this or anything. I have to imagine uh, these guys are going to ultimately let it play out in court and see what happens. For all we know, the guy could be innocent, right? I mean, uh, everybody is innocent until proven guilty and is going to have his day in court. Uh, however, they did amend the case in November. So the misdemeanor trespassing charge um, and they escalated the unlawful possession of a mule deer to unlawful possession of a trophy mule deer, which then makes it a felony charge, which is crazy to me, right? I mean, I get it that poaching is bad. Nobody should be doing it. There should be fines in place. There should be, you know, strict punishments in place. To make that a felony is, man, that's pretty serious stuff, right? So um, they're saying that hit the hunting celebrity, they're calling him, I don't know how we determine who is or isn't a celebrity these days, um, but they say that his crime against the people of the state of Ohio could land him a maximum penalty of five years in jail or $50,000 in fines. He could also face a $2,000 fine for the illegally possessed animal and, and this is probably the biggest one, lose his Idaho hunting privileges for life um, if convicted. Now, if I had to guess what's going to happen and speculate, um, you know, anytime you read these articles, they're going to tell you what the maximum penalty is, right? Not what actually usually happens in these cases. So maximum penalty of five years in jail, my guess is he sees zero jail time. People usually don't unless there's some sort of like super egregious, you know, crimes that are being committed over a long period of time, like we saw in the the Nebraska case that the Bomars got wrapped up in. Uh, that outfitter, I believe, did end up spending some some time in jail, right? This guy, I highly doubt it, especially if it's his first offense, um, up to $50,000 in fines. Again, eh, I don't think that will probably happen. But, I mean, he probably will lose his hunting privileges, at least for a period of time, if not for life, which should in theory, prevent him hunt from hunting really in any state because of the interstate wildlife violators compact. So um, again, not super, super familiar with this particular person uh, or with Muley Freak in general, but it does seem like kind of an unfortunate situation. Again, we haven't heard from this guy, so we have no idea if he's going to try to fight it, if he's going to say that he's innocent, if he's going to take a plea. Um, there really hasn't been much in the way of, you know, an update on this other than they took his deer. And I want to say I read that, um, so it scored 161, right? Idaho has a 150 inch limit for what they can consider a trophy. So anything over 150 then becomes a felony. Let's face it, 161 inch deer, even a mule deer, or, or maybe even especially a mule deer, like it's a nice deer, but it's not like a world-class giant deer. I mean, I uh, again, I'm not saying that he's right in what the, he did or potentially allegedly did, but 150 seems like a pretty low threshold to break in order to get these felony charges, five years in jail, you know, um, loss of hunting privileges for the rest of your life for a 150. Eh, definitely not worth it, uh, but it will be interesting to see how this one shakes out in the end. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. You know, when you get to the, the end of the gear junkie article, uh, and the field and stream article, both of them kind of dovetail that into the Bomar poaching case that happened this last fall. And I've had a couple comments on the first two podcasts saying, 
you should you should cover the Bomar stuff. Uh, and, and I did, to be honest with you, not in the podcast, but you can go to bowhunting.com. I wrote an entire article uh, all about it, what they got convicted um, of or what they took a plea deal for, which was conspiracy to con- commit um or to violate the Lacey Act, which is ultimately what they pled guilty to. Uh, and then they ultimately had to like amend the terms of their probation so they could still possess bows and go hunting with their bows and whatnot. The, the thing I found most interesting about the Bomar case was that they were able to take uh, or structure, I should say, their plea deal in a way that allowed them to continue hunting everywhere but Nebraska. So typically with these types of cases, when you get caught poaching somewhere and you, um, you know, plead guilty or whatever the case may be, and you lose your privileges in that state, you usually lose them everywhere. Uh, so they must have had some very good lawyers uh, that were able to essentially fight for them to be able to structure their deal in a way that didn't prevent them from hunting uh, really anywhere other than Nebraska, which is no big deal because they own ground. Um, I don't know exactly where, but I think Illinois, Iowa, Missouri. Um, so they have plenty of places to go hunting outside of Nebraska, but I'm not going to dive into that one too deep. I wrote a huge piece on bowhunting.com about it, uh, with all of my thoughts back in the fall. So you guys can go, uh, check that one out when you get a chance. All right. So next up, we have a hunter in New York who allegedly accidentally killed two German shepherds with his crossbow while he was deer hunting um, and said that he thought they were coyotes. So this is very reminiscent of this lady uh, out west somewhere. It could be back in Ohio, Montana. I forgot exactly, or Idaho, I'm sorry, or Montana. I forget exactly where she was at last fall. She was out hunting. She shot what she believed were um, some a wolf. I think it was just a single wolf. She thought it was a wolf pup. Uh, ended up being a husky. She skinned the thing out. She posted photos all over social media about it, like hashtag one less predator type of thing. And it was a husky dog. Now, in her case, she was like way out in the middle of nowhere. And these animals were just essentially somebody had dropped them off on a road. I mean, they were miles from civilization. So in her case, like I could understand maybe the immediate like reaction and shot of this animal because you are certainly not expecting any um, domesticated dogs to be out there. Uh, however, once she killed it and saw it and then proceeded to skin it out, not realizing that it wasn't a wolf, that's a little suspect. Uh, this guy in a very similar situation, he was out deer hunting. Uh, he sees these two, what he believes are coyotes coming through the woods. He shoots and kills one of them. Uh, as he's recovering it, he claims, again, allegedly, that the other one was, you know, baring its teeth at him and acting in a threatening manner. So he shoots the other one. He takes them both home. I mean, how anybody could shoot two German shepherds and not look at them and know this is not a coyote, like, is completely beyond me. I can, to a certain degree, understand mistakenly shooting one of them. But here's the thing. The guy was in like a super residential area that has like a special deer hunting program. He wasn't out in the wilderness. Like he was in a suburban area where the sight of dogs is probably pretty common. These two German shepherds were in a fenced yard. They got out of the fence because allegedly a bear had damaged the fence at some point in time. So the dogs escaped. They're, you know, running around. He shoots them and kills them, takes them home, skins them out. Then he brings the hides to a taxidermist, um, 
the taxidermist is like, yo, I don't think these things are coyotes. So he makes up some sort of story that he just can't do the job for the guy and essentially sends him away, uh, at which point, obviously, enough word is getting around. They figure out, hey, these are the two German shepherds that are missing. Um, turns out the guy had actually committed a couple or allegedly committed a couple other crimes as well. They're claiming that he forged uh, like a letter of permission for the property that he was hunting on. That maybe he didn't have permission to be there. So he has been charged with tampering with evidence, forgery, interfering with an officer, archery, hunting regulations, and violating wild game hunting regulations. Uh, he has appeared in court recently and his application for an accelerated, accelerated rehabilitation was denied. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen with this. It looks like he's due back in court on April 12th, but it's just crazy that we've got now our second case in not that long of time where you've got hunters shooting dogs, thinking they're wolves or coyotes. Um, and again, not even just shooting them and realizing like, oh boy, I made a mistake shooting them and then skinning them out. And then this guy, in his case, took him to a taxidermist. The other lady was posting on social media. I mean, to be quite honest with you, these are not people that should be hunting. If you cannot tell the difference between a domestic dog and a coyote or a wolf up close, once it's dead, you should not be hunting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to this fella out in New York. So this week on bowhunting.com, we published an article about alpha gal syndrome. Um, and you guys have probably heard about this over the last couple of years, just not realizing what it's called. It is essentially an allergic reaction that people have to red meat uh, and dairy products, potentially. And it is a potentially lethal uh, reaction, which is crazy. So, um, you know, we did an article on it, just informing people of what it is, how they get it, how you can try to avoid it. So, uh, researchers believe that this syndrome, this alpha gal syndrome is actually contracted by humans because of the bite of a tick called the lone star tick. And if you were to look at this tick, uh, it's easily identifiable because it has a single white dot on its back. So it looks like a Lone Star. Um, as the name may imply, uh, Lone Star, it's typically found down south, Texas, Oklahoma, places like that. But as the climate continues to warm uh, and as our winters are a little bit less and less severe, it does appear uh, that the ticks range is expanding further and further north. Uh, up through, you know, almost the middle of the country at this point. So uh, alpha-gal syndrome, uh, like I said, is really like an allergic reaction that people have to this alpha-gal, um, which is found, unfortunately, in red meat. So if you get this, like you have severe allergic reactions uh, to red meat, which obviously for a hunter, that's probably one of the worst diseases we can get, right? One of the main reasons that we hunt is for the meat. And if you can no longer eat said meat because of your allergy, that would really suck. Uh, and that doesn't go for just, you know, venison and elk. We're talking beef, um, which I still like to eat. I don't think a lot of you guys do. Uh, let's say pork, beef, rabbit, lamb, venison, and products made from mammals, including gelatin, which interestingly enough, when you look at a quote-unquote gel-coated uh, capsule, any sort of medicine, that gel 
is gelatin. So you may have a potential allergic, allergic reaction just to taking medicine that's gel-coated, uh, cow's milk and other milk products. Reactions can include hides or itchy rash, nausea, vomiting, heartburn, indigestion, diarrhea, cough, shortness of breath, uh, drop in blood pressure, swelling of the lips, throat, tongue, or eyelids, dizziness or faintness, severe stomach pain, and in some cases can lead to anaphylactic shock or even death, depending on how severe um, your allergy is. When you look at a map of where the Lone Star tick is at now, I mean, it spans literally all the way to where we are at here in Northern Illinois, like the Illinois-Wisconsin border shoots straight across all the way up into Southern Maine, Florida over to Texas, and then up into uh, the eastern part of like Nebraska. So really the lower, I would say almost half of the country that, you know, southeastern half of our country has these ticks. So obviously, guys, as we go into uh, turkey season, shed season, scouting season coming up, permethrin is your friend. Spray your boots. Uh, make sure you guys check for ticks because alpha-gal syndrome literally sounds like one of the worst things that you could possibly get as a hunter. Um, if I had to choose between that and Lyme disease, I'd probably pick Lyme because at least there's a treatment for it that's not going to prevent me from never being able to eat red meat again. Imagine never being able to have a steak or a backstrap or a glass of milk again. I I drink a lot of milk. I don't think I would like that very much. So again, be careful out there. And if you guys are having any of these symptoms, if you feel like you've had a tick bite, make sure you go see a doctor. Uh, last thing we want is to hear about, you know, a hunter dying because he has alpha-gal syndrome and he, you know, ate a backstrap and three hours later died. So uh, yeah, if you're having any symptoms, make sure you go see a doctor and make sure you guys stock up on permethrin. It's the greatest stuff ever for keeping ticks off of you. All right. So also this past week, we had another uh, interesting Joe Rogan experience podcast. As you guys uh, could probably tell, I'm a big JRE listener myself. You know, I'm currently smack in the middle of doing the 75 hard challenge. So for my one hour a day workout, I usually go on a hike or some sort of walk. I throw a podcast in. So I've been listening to a lot of Rogan. And recently he had on Derek Wolf, who's an ex-NFL uh, defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. He won a Super Bowl a few years back when when Peyton Manning was playing there. Uh, Derek's a big bow hunter and he's starting his own YouTube channel and really getting into bow hunting. And since Joe obviously is a big bow, bow hunter and has this huge kind of community of, of bow hunting personalities and celebrities that he brings on, it seemed like a good fit for him to have Derek Wolf on. Now, if you don't know who Derek is, you probably have seen this photo floating around the internet since last fall. He shot what looks to be one of the biggest gnarliest mountain lions I've ever seen a person with. And he's standing there holding the thing, you know, giving it that bear hug. And this guy's like 6'5", 260, something like that. Like he's a big dude. He was a defensive lineman and he's bear hugging this mountain lion. And the thing is absolutely enormous. It's got that huge, just fat head. Um, listening to the podcast, he said the thing, I believe he said a field dressed out at like 175-ish pounds. So they're figuring it at like 220 on the hoof which is just absolutely enormous. When you consider your average male, you know, mountain lion is 140, 150 pounds. This thing was 220 on the hoof. So he tells the whole story on the podcast. It's really a cool story to listen to how they got permission, how they tracked it up this mountain, how many miles they went going through the snow, the dogs, the shot, the recovery, uh, just the whole story. Uh, it's really interesting 
to listen to. I would highly recommend checking that one out. It was just a good podcast. Now, if you're not into vulgarity and you don't like cursing, that may not be the podcast for you because Derek talks a lot like how I talk when I'm not doing this podcast. So if you guys don't want, don't like that, or you got kids in the car or whatever, I would recommend maybe avoiding that one. Uh, it is definitely an adult themed uh, podcast, but he talks a lot about, you know, his hunting adventures growing up in, I believe, Ohio and bow hunting. And then finally, you know, how he lives out West, he's retired. He has the financial means to go do these things that he never dreamed of, which is a cool story to hear. You know, he talks about, I believe he shot an elk, then he shot a mule deer. Then he, I think he shot another mule deer. And then maybe he shot this, this mountain lion, like all in one season. So he's actually starting up his own YouTube channel. I subscribed to it today. It's called Wolf Untamed. Wolf spelled W-O-L-F-E. So Wolf Untamed. I'm hoping, I didn't really get through the full trailer uh, yet on his YouTube channel, but I'm hoping that maybe this, this cougar hunt is going to be on there somewhere. It looks like he's got elk. He's got a black bear. He's got a really cool double drop tine uh, mule deer that he shot. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get to see the video of that one eventually. But it was a cool podcast. Like I said, I like to listen to the JRE when I'm walking around at night. So I would check that one out. It's got some good bow hunting content in it. Um, this dude says he's got a 33-inch draw length and shoots 80 pounds, <laughs> which is ridiculous, right? Like the amount of kinetic energy and momentum that's generated by that kind of arrow is impressive. Uh, I wish I had those stats, but I'm stuck with my measly 29-inch draw length, and I usually shoot about 65 pounds. But it seems to get the job done when I actually get a shot at something. So my last th thing, oh, yeah, last thing we're going to talk about for this week is going to be there was an interesting announcement. This is more like industry news, right? There's an interesting announcement that I believe came out today from the National Shooting Sports Foundation or Federation. It's the NSSF, which is essentially the company behind the SHOT Show. So the SHOT Show is held every year in Vegas. It's the shooting, hunting, and outdoors trade show. The problem is over the years, it's become a lot less hunting and outdoors and a lot more shooting. So if you've been there, it's just... You know, it's guns, tactical stuff, almost the entire thing. Yes, there's a minuscule hunting aspect to it. But like for us guys that are really into archery and bow hunting, that's just not the show to go to for us. Um, ATA is more of our show. Unfortunately, over the last couple of years, uh, the ATA attendance has been down. The amount of vendors going to the show has been down. You know, Matthews pulled out this last year. Um, who else was not there this year? I think Elite wasn't there. Um, Botech was there. I think Hoyt was not there. There's just a lot of companies that don't go anymore. A lot of the dealers don't go anymore. Next year, they're making us go to St. Louis for the ATA show, which nobody's really excited about. So there's a lot of just kind of industry talk about just grumblings of like being unhappy with the ATA show. Well, the, the SHOT Show has announced that next year, they're going to have an entire like segment of the show dedicated to just archery. It's going to be some sort of archery pavilion. It's kind of being sponsored by Grandview Media, which is um, Bowhunting World and a couple other print publications. They also do some stuff for uh, the SHOT Show. So I don't know if this is going to signal like a change where companies are going to start moving away from ATA and maybe just going to SHOT. I know some companies do both and they hate it because they're back-to-back -back weeks. You go right from ATA straight to shot. ATA is always during the winter. It's always somewhere kind of in the Midwest with crappy weather. Um, 
it's never nice. You always seem to be driving through a snowstorm or an ice storm. There's travel problems, either getting there or getting home. You know, it's not a good destination. It's not like Indianapolis or St. Louis are places that people are clamoring to go to in February, but everybody always wants to go to Vegas. At least it's a little bit warmer than it is back home. There's a lot of other things to do. You could bring the wife, um, make a trip out of it. So it'll be interesting to see if in the future, kind of what the ATA holds and if people really start, you know, migrating over to the shot so shot show. So we will definitely keep an eye on that one because I would much, much rather be going to Vegas than going to St. Louis, especially as a Cubs fan. Sorry, Cardinals fans, but I don't want to come to your town. Uh, and my final thing we're going to leave you with is an awesome tweet that you guys probably saw from the National Park Service this week that as of this morning, I want to look at this thing. Uh, it had like 9 million retweets, I think, something along those lines. So the National Park Service tweeted, where did this thing go? Here we go. If you come across a bear, never push a slower friend down, even if you feel the friendship has run its course, which everybody must have thought was a great tweet. 9.5 million retweets from the National Park Service. So solid advice. Don't push your friend down if they're slower. And we talked about this internally. If you've got a friend that's slower, you don't need to push them down because they're going to get caught by the bear anyways. If anything, if you're the slow guy, you got to push the fast guy down so that you can get away. So they got it a little backwards, but 9.5 million retweets from the National Park Service. So that's it for this episode of The Pinch Point. Be sure to check in next week. I'm sure we'll have some more interesting and crazy stories for you guys. Uh, hopefully we're not talking about insane poaching cases every week, but I have a feeling we may be because there are some crazy ones out there. So as always, we appreciate you guys watching and listening. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, and Google as well. Uh, so until next week, we'll see you later.